You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. As Shen knocks down Pedersen away from the play, now gets it in front, shoots, he scores! Braden Shen scores the overtime winner for the Blues. I haven't liked this game in the last three or four games. We've got to get him going. Pass ahead. Here's Martin alone. Scores! Mobs are celebrating the Hurricanes taking a 3-2 lead late. Good morning, Vancouver. 6 o'clock on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, visit them. At 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech? I Ron Burgundy that one. Kintech? Got a, got a good show. Not a big show. It is a big show. I don't want to sound repetitive, but it's a good show as well. 6.30, guest list begins with Nick Shook from NFL.com. We will look ahead at the four teams that are vying for their opportunity to participate in this year's Super Bowl, better known as the big football game. Uh, Nick Shook's going to join us at 6.30. 7 o'clock, uh, former NHLer, Sportsnet NHL analyst, first-time guest on this show, Luke Gazdick is going to join us. We can look back on the Vancouver Canucks 4-3 overtime loss to the uh, St. Louis Blues last night. We can whip around the NHL with Luke as well. 8 o'clock, it's the Drancer, Thomas Drance from The Athletic in Vancouver and Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650. Obviously, we'll get into last night's game with Drancer. We'll look ahead to the final game for the Canucks on Saturday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We are no longer giving away tickets to that game, I might add. Yesterday was the final giveaway. No giveaways, period, on the show today. However, I know there's a lot of feedback already into the Dunbar Lumber text line. I encourage the listeners to send in more. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Uh, get your What We Learns in now. It's your chance to be on the radio. Hashtag them, WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Working in reverse on the guest list. 8 o'clock, it's Drancer. 7 o'clock, it's Luke Gazdick, 6.30. It's Nick Shook. We got a lot to get into. It was a big game last night. Without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Per NHL.com, here is the gamer for last night. <clears throat> Braden Shen scored 154 in overtime for the St. Louis Blues in a 4-3 win against the Vancouver Canucks at Rogers Arena on Wednesday. NHL.com continues. Shen took a pass from Nick Letty and shot past the glove of goalie Casey DeSmith from the slot for the win. They did not mention the cross-check. <laughs> did they mention Petey flopped all over the ice, making making a big meal out of it, making a whole production of the of falling down? Did they covered mention that? In, covered in
covered in snow. <laughs> covered in snow. <laughs> Didn't mention it. Uh, the story at the start of the game. We'll get to that. Yeah, eventually. yeah, yeah. Let's go with the, the big picture here. The story at the start of the game was that Rick Tockett had broken up the lotto line, switching Petey to play with Kuzmenko and Mikheyev with Suter bumping over to play with Miller and Besser. That worked out. But soon, it was the Jake Neighbors show for the Blues. The 21-year-old was left alone in the slot around 13 minutes into the first. Finally, ho, neighborinos! <laughs> which started, the period started with the Blues failing to get a shot for half the period. Uh, but Neighbors scored on Casey DeSmith, who got the start over Thatcher Demko. After the Canucks couldn't clear the puck... And then less than two minutes later, uh, that Jake Neighbors guy assisted on a Pavel Buknevich uh, power play goal. Idly ho, neighborinos. Through two periods, there really wasn't much for fans at Rogers Arena to cheer for, unless they uh, really liked the chrome blue helmets, I guess. They were there. We can talk about those later if we want. Don't have to. Uh, now, for those fans at Rogers Arena, I suppose it's a good thing there are three periods in hockey because the third brought... At the very least, some entertainment. The Canucks finally found some life early in that third period when Puce Suter pounced on a rebound and scored with the assist to Besser, who tipped a Quinn Hughes shot. And Quinn Hughes also got another assist. Um, his point total, his assist total is uh, pretty high now. I think we've, there, was a, there was a stat attached to that, which we can get into later. Okay. Um, so the Canucks score... But right after that, the life in the arena was snuffed out rather quickly when Nikita Zadorov failed to tie up Alexei Toropchenko's stick. Russian on Russian, except they weren't on each other. Uh, that was in front of the Canucks net, and it was 3-1 Blues. Zadorov did, Zadorov did not play after that. Mm -hmm. uh, the Canucks kept getting their chances, though. Besser hooked a puck wide when it looked like he had an open net. Soon after that, the Canucks got a power play, and Suter... The man of the night scored his second of the period. It was pretty much all Canucks after that, including a late power play that didn't really ever get going. The Canucks pulled to Smith. Petey got a half chance, broken up by Colton Pareko. Then on the resulting faceoff, it was last chance for the Canucks. Suter completed the hat trick, shoveling in a rebound from a huge shot that hit Miller's shin right beside the net. Great standing there by JT Miller. He did just a great job standing there. Good shinning. Best standing good I've sh seen in a while. Really good shinning. Good shinning. From JT Miller. Uh, you for, got the shinning. For Suter on the night, it was his 10th, 11th, and 12th goal of the season, and we were headed to overtime, where both teams had great chances to score. Sadly, it was the Blues that actually did score. Pressure by Shen on the back check. He knocked the puck free for Nick Letty, and here's a two-on-one for the Blues. Letty, right wing, into the Vancouver end. Carries to the corner as Shen knocks down Pedersen away from the play. Now gets it in front, shoots, he scores! Braden Shen scores the overtime winner for the Blues. People are going to complain. People did complain. People should complain. Halford will complain, but Petey went down way too easily on that shove by Shen. Cross-check. It was a shove. Cross-check. It wasn't a great overtime for number 40. And if we listen to the comments by Rick Tockett after the game, hasn't been a great three or four games for Elias Pettersson, who isn't moving his feet out there. It was hard to move your feet, I guess, when you're sprawled across the ice. But Getting, getting cross-checked. Um, 
I think there's going to be most people that are texting in think that, well, you know, Louis from the Ridge, that cross-check on Petey was an absolute joke. Any other superstar in the league gets that call. Imagine that was McDavid. Um, I was much more upset in the New York Rangers game earlier in the season when they missed a blatant trip on Petey because Petey was moving his feet out there. Couldn't move his feet. He was being cross-checked. Okay, look, I want. I don't want to belabor this point too much. Let's play the audio from Rick Tockett because you're right. Rick Tockett was asked post-game about Elias Pettersson and his play as of late. And Rick Tockett did not mince any words in this back and forth, which I believe began with Farhan Lalji, about uh, Elias Pettersson. Here's what Rick Tockett had to say about number 40 following a 4-3 overtime loss to the St. Louis Blues on Wednesday night. Did, did it look to you like maybe Petey was a little off tonight? Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, we had a, I haven't liked this game in the last three or four games. We got to get him going. What in particular do you think he needs to do more? <clears throat> I think he's got to skate. He's got to start skating a little bit. I think he's, you know, I, I, I think he's good with the moves sometimes, but I think when you have speed and make those moves, that's when he's at his best. So, yeah, we got to, he, he, I, you know, we'll get him going. I think in this instance, I was I didn't actually plan to do this, but a couple people were saying I'm I'm waiting for a Halford rant. I think I want to take it in a little bit of a different, different direction, but I think both things can be true here. I think you can say that Pedersen had an off night in a string of off nights, and maybe maybe uh, he wasn't exactly strong on his skates when he got cross checked by Braden Shen on the eventual game winning goal. In overtime. Well, I think he went down intentionally. I think it I think you can say this, and I think it can be true. I think you can also say, how is it that in a game where the St. Louis Blues were whistled for three penalties and three penalties only, and all of them were for cross checking, that a standard was not set in that game? How? How can you say that in the game on Saturday against Toronto? The Vancouver Canucks were awarded multiple power plays, including, again, three cross-checking penalties, two of which led directly to power play goals in the third period in a tie game. So you can't even throw out the situational stuff because the referees made a conscious effort in two of the last three games to whistle cross-checking and whistle it with regularity. Because those were real cross-check calls. Oh, okay. So now we're allowing the arbitrary nature of what is a cross-check. Oh what isn't a cross-check? And that's fine. Mike, And that's on. fine. You guys that's get, fine. Guys get shoved. Did you go back and look at every cross-check of the six cross-checking penalties that have gone on in these two games? Yes. <laughs> you. <laughs> now you are lost. Look, I, look, don't get me wrong. And I said this to start the argument so you wouldn't get all up in arms. You can absolutely make the argument that he went down too easy. Well, that's but, why I wasn't called. Then, then but it's, it, then it's not a penalty. Well, even if, even if it then was a cross a check or interference, the fact that he went down so easily, they cancel each other out. In the same game, in the ref size, they whistled Jake Neighbors for a cross check, which led to a goal because he cross checked someone in front of. Idly ho, neighbor. Yeah. He knows. Let's go look at that cross check, and then look at the cross check that Petey got. And you like, not all cross checks are the same. Exactly. Not all do, you, cross- do, you, do you know how many times there's an actual like cross check or shove in front of a net during a hockey game? It happens all the time. Petey is a smart player. He knew that he was going to get pressure on that play. Petey is aware of all the players on the ice, and as soon as he as soon as he felt anything in his back, he went down, and he went down in a heap. 
Now my my it took argu- a while to get up as well. My argument is more about the about NHL officiating in general, and I want to use this as a jumping off point because when we talk about uh, lousy officiating in the NHL, I think a lot of people automatically de facto go to the calls went against my team. The call should have been made and wasn't made. My argument, and what it's been for the longest time, is that there is a massive lack of consistency because NHL officiating is geared towards game management. It's not geared towards calling the rule book and calling what is an infraction and what isn't. It's about Why when it happens. Why such a big thing? PD went down easily. The ref said, nope, I'm not calling this. I'm, That's it. Because I'm saying it in a game where there were three cross-checking penalties called earlier, there wasn't a fourth. And there was no explanation well, as to why. Yeah, here's the explanation. The rest felt the first three were cross-checks. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you call the first three cross-checking penalties or the referees? Well, you're the one speculating here. I'm not on, speculating on, them, on anything. On, the, on them I'm game management. It is game management. How do you know? Because a cross-checking penalty in the first period wasn't a cross-checking penalty They're not the same. They are They're the not same. the same. Was it a cross-check? They're not. Yeah, in front of the Canucks net? You know what? I'll that led s- to a goal? Oh, my God. Or, or interference. If not a cross-check, like, it might have been interference. Like it okay. could, it, he, I don't want to argue about this anymore. You, you I, could have called it interference, this, but he make, went down early. You're making he went this, down easy. You're making this way bigger than it really well, is. Well, that's what I was just, yeah, I just said that. Because it's more about the quality and level of officiating but and how, you, the, how it works. But you shouldn't be making this bigger than it really is. In the Rangers game, when Petey got blatantly tripped and he was moving his feet and he was trying to make a play, they should have called that. I was much angry that. About was that was ridiculous. One. You know why? Because it was tripping. In this game last night, Petey gets a little shove in the back. He intentionally goes down, in my opinion, and the ref goes, I'm not calling that. Simple as that. Petey should have tried to stay on his feet and defend. He did not have a good game. That's fine. I don't know what's going on with his game. Sometimes you just go through these little slumps as a hockey player. Maybe he's starting to get a little distracted by all the talk about the contract stuff. But if I were the ref in that situation, I would have said, nope, not calling that. Or if I did, I would have evened it up and I would have said, fine, I'll call the cross check. But Petey, you're getting a penalty too. You might as well let the play continue because it was exciting and... You wouldn't want it. All you're going to do is blow the whistle and take both of those players off. Well, the ice. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. That is the inherent problem with the whole thing. But frankly, I would, the answer is like, that's oh, we why, can just, but, we but, just even but, it up. But, but frankly, I don't even want to do that because I don't even think that Shen deserved to get a penalty on that because he's fighting for his space in front of the net. Petey went down so easily. Again, do you know how many times that sort of play happens in an NHL game? And you know why we don't complain about it? Because the player stays on his feet. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to fight with you because I started this entire thing by saying you can absolutely make a very fair and valid argument that he went down too easy. And maybe he was trying to draw a penalty, right? All I'm doing maybe. Is, and all I'm <laughs> maybe. And all I'm trying to 100%. do 100 percent And all I'm trying to do is offer context. And I think it's completely valid context. I think it's misplaced context. How is so it I won't misplaced even agree. context? Because it because you can look at that play and you don't need to bring in whole game management. You can just look at the play and say it didn't deserve a penalty. Could you have looked at the other ones and said that they yeah. didn't deserve no. a penalty? No, no, those were clear cut. Yes, yes, okay. yes, okay. yes, Mike. So yes, they if were. If you were to take a poll question, yes, though, they were. If you were to take a poll question, because you know who this, didn't? Though, think way more people clear... would be agreeing with Alfred right now than you. You know who didn't think it? Well, because yeah, because we're in Vancouver and they're going to agree with me because the Canucks like had people were furious. about about that non-call as you know who you know who didn't agree that it was a cross check on the opening uh penalty jake neighbors 
He was vehemently disagreeing with the call. Okay. So well, players never disagree with penalties that. Yeah, you know who didn't disagree with the one in overtime? Elias Pettersson. I he mean, probably that probably felt that, guilty. <laughs> anyway, I, but again, I don't want to like really argue because I'm I'm validating everything you're saying off the top, right? All I'm saying is that you have to look at this big picture and understand why there's a lot of people saying this is garbage. And part of it would be, well, there was three cross-checking penalties called prior to the game, including one that was right in front of the Vancouver Canucks goal that led to a goal in the, what was it, second period on, on so, Naples. So fans should right? be upset that they didn't call the non, what should well, be called the cross-check. And you know what the other thing, too, is, is like, I... I, I I know that some people are going to say in response, well, they could have called Shen for a cross check and they could have called Pete for diving. I'm like, I don't know if that's the proper solution. Well, that's why they, but that's, that's why, why they, they let it go. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's why they let it go. Cause you, why would argue, you blow it and just take the two guys off the ice? The, when the you ref, the the ref, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think that's the right answer either. I would the, like to see yeah. some accountability and I would like to see someone that's wearing stripes last night saying, what is the difference between the two? And if, if someone, here's the thing. If a referee came out and said, we felt that it was a shove and not a cross check, and we felt that that didn't rise to the level of a penalty, okay. Okay. But isn't, so that, but, 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 but isn't that what... But those are the same guys that set the, set the standard in the game. But isn't that, like, unspoken? Like, we didn't feel it was, it was a penalty And also, those calls never get... call it. Those yeah. calls never get called in overtime anyways, regardless, right? Like, it just never happens. In overtime. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's right. like a, it's like a different game at that point. I'm was, not. I'm not just like same rules don't apply. I don't. I, I don't know if that would have been called during regular play. PD was at the end of one Jay of the longest Na- shifts. Ask Jake neighbors if it would have been called. That was one of the longest shifts of PD's game. He was tired. He he took it out. He felt okay. the push. He went down easy. The ref didn't call it. That's right. what it's it is. Seventeen minutes in, I didn't really want to. <laughs> Argue about the call that much, but yeah, neither uh, did I actually. Well, to be you, honest, you, you, I just kind of got going. You trusted that nine minutes prepared. ago. <laughs> I just got uh, no, honestly, I wasn't that prepared. I looked up the uh, the box score from Toronto. To be honest, though, it is the major talking point of last night's game. So I mean, it's a good discussion to have. Um, talk its comments on Elias Pettersson. We got one game until the All Star break, and then the PD commentary is going to probably reemerge um, because he's going to get asked about his contract. In Toronto, when he does the media thing, um, there's largely an expectation that he's going to go talk to his representatives in Toronto while he's there. Uh, I don't know if anything will get reported out of that. Petey might want nothing reported. They might all wear disguises and meet somewhere secret. Um, but I don't know. What do you think is up with this game right now? Is it just a matter of uh, maybe he's tired? Maybe he's going through one of his funks? Um, I, you know, for talking to come out and say I don't like his game right now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was like angry or anything. Like, but he said I haven't liked his game for three or four games. I think one of the reasons that the lotto line stopped working is that they stopped skating and. You know, that's exactly what Rick Tockett is saying. Like, he needs to move his feet out there. Sometimes PD, like, God, I'll go back to coaching kids, right? Like, one of the things you always have to tell kids is to keep your feet moving while you're stick handling. Because a lot of them fall in love with stick handling. They practice stick handling, and then they get out there and they start stick handling. And once in a while, you'll be able to... You know, put the put the puck between another guy's legs, and and you'll you'll get away with it. And the, a lot of it is stick handling in place. Mm-hmm. But if you're not moving your feet out there while you're stick handling, you're gonna turn it over 
nine times out of ten. And you know what Petey was doing last night? Besides falling intentionally. <laughs> Turning the puck over. <laughs> Can we replay the Rick Tockett audio of what his critiques were of Elias Pettersson after the game? Because I think it's important to hear directly from the guy that is in charge of ice time and is in charge of line combinations and is watching his star player play throughout the night. So here's the um, Rick Tockett on Elias Pettersson following last night's 4-3 loss to the St. Louis Blues. Take it away. <clears throat> I think he's got to skate. He's got to start skating a little bit. I think he's... You know, I, I, I think he's good with the moves sometimes, but I think when you have speed and make those moves, that's when he's at his best. So, yeah, we got to, you know, we'll get him going. So here's the good news for the Canucks. Because they came back and they got a point in that game, they are first place in the NHL with 69 points. Nice. 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 Boston nice. ended up losing to Carolina, did they? Yes. Um, so even Spencer on Martin. even on points percentage, yeah. even on points percentage, the Canucks are first in the league. They have People the pay attention best to points percentage record in the league. You should um, remind Rance about that when he's on. I watched a bit of the uh, Toronto Winnipeg game, and that was a barn burner. <laughs> uh, it was actually, you know, listen, listen it was. I'm, I'm not a Leafs fan, but um, you got to feel good for Ilya Samsonov coming back and playing really well in now two straight games. When he was pretty much banished from the team and nobody was expecting him to play a role in Toronto down the stretch, now he comes back, they give him a few chances, and good for them for giving him a few chances, and that, he's had two really good games. The 2 on no save. Yeah. I mean, I mean, do we have audio on that right now? We like, should have the winning goal. Well, okay, I sent along the, some audio of, of that 2-on-0 of that, that the Leafs' power play gave up, like, the most egregious two on O and then like nobody back checked. It was like all the Leafs out there were like, they're probably going to score. And then Samsonov makes a bunch of saves and the Leafs are like, Oh, we should probably just get back. <laughs> that was the most unpressured two on O like I've ever seen, even including all-star games. Crazy. <laughs> and then Sheldon Keefe benched his top power play unit, despite the fact that they were in a zero zero game against the Winnipeg Jets Anyway, Austin Matthews scored his, what, 900th of the season to win it in overtime for the Leafs, so the Jets only got a point out of that. But, um, you know, I, I think the conversation has almost completely changed now in just a matter of two games in Toronto. Samsonov is back in the race to be the guy for the Leafs should they make the playoffs. Yeah, I think it speaks to the goaltending situation that after two games it's now the narrative is flipped yet again. I don't, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a real headache for Keith when, and let's just say when they make the playoffs, not if they make the playoffs. I think they're more than good enough to make the playoffs, but he's going to have some serious decisions. And it's almost like the worst thing you can have going into the playoffs is when you have multiple options in net. Cause we've seen countless playoff teams go in. And the moment that the guy in net struggles, when you have viable options behind him, it's, are you going to go to this guy? Let's watch who's in the starters crease tonight at the morning or this morning at the morning skate or everything. So right now they've got three legitimate options. I would say, that they can play because all three have done it. Wall's done it during the regular season. Jones has done it during the regular season. And now Samsonov is back. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. I don't think that they're going to address this via trade anymore. We got a good text from Tones. He says, you know who didn't flop in OT? 
Austin Matthews. <laughs> Stood on his feet. Stood on his feet. That's what's That's the key to play. goal scoring. That's how you get paid. If he wants to get paid, he's key to defending too is uh, stay on your feet. Because uh, you know what? Sometimes you get pushed out there in hockey. Sometimes there's pushing. If PD doesn't resign, it's Bruff's fault. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. What we just have to call Thomas Drant's erotica. Listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning. It's brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Thomas Drance, he of the Erotica, will be joining us in just a moment here to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what you're waiting for. Stop waiting. Go to Kintech. Don't delay. Kintech today. That should be oh, right. nice. I should be nice. writing ad material nice. here. Nice. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. Thomas Drantz, Athletic, Vancouver, Canucks Talk, all that good stuff here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drantz? Gentlemen, not much. How are you? Uh, we're good. Overtime last night. Penalty, no penalty. What's your choice? What's your call? What do you say? What do you know? Uh, I mean, I, I do think that it was curious, given that, like, I thought the Jake Neighbors call, the the one that took a Blues goal off the board, was like a far rarer type of penalty call, right? I mean, that almost reminded me of the um, Justin Hole interference in, in Game 7, Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago. Like, you just so rarely see right. an infraction like that take a goal off the board. Um, you know, for me, it's like holding in football. It's like you, you can kind you of call, call it every play. You can kind of. So so there's an element of – there's an element to which it's discretionary. And, you know, so it's so to me it's not like a huge miscarriage of justice when when it's not called. But, yeah, it could have been a penalty. Probably should have been a penalty. Uh, overall, what did you think of Petey's game? And then what did you think of Rick Tockett's comments on Petey's game? I, I mean, I thought Petey was off, right? I, I mean, it wasn't the, like, what I would say is, I think anyone nervous th- that Pedersen got hit by Luke Shen and using it to apply like a larger concern uh, you know, how will this guy hold up in the playoffs? Like, I think that's an out-to-lunch take, uh, personally. I mean, we've seen it. when We saw it when this guy was 20 pounds lighter uh, against the big, bad Vegas Golden Knights in the in the playoffs, and he was swinging games at the net front. Like, we know what PD is going to do when the chips are down, and it's going to be, you know, go to the net with extraordinary discipline, whether the puck's going in from or not. Um, the 
his form last night was way off. Uh, you know, the talk, it's commentary that he's been off for a few games, maybe, but, but I think last night was a, a different magnitude than what we've seen in, in previous games. Um, at least what I've seen in previous games, I just thought he was off. Uh, the Kevin Hayes setup on the um, Torpchenko three, one goal. Uh, you know, that's just, and, and Pedersen knew he was mad at himself, right? Like he blew that coverage that that's super atypical, you know, that that's, that's um, the mark of a, of a guy who's a little off. I, I also thought, you know, in that new configuration, right. When you put Pedersen on a line with Mikheyev and, and Kuzmenko, and he doesn't see as much uh, of the Hughes heronic environment, right? Like I, I do think that puts a lot of <laughs> puts yeah. a lot on him to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he, he wasn't himself last night. I, I, I think that's true. And I don't have a problem with talk. It's sort of matter of factly saying it. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, it's just not like, it's not the material drama, you know, it's, it's not material drama that Zadorov got benched or that the Canucks lost to the blues or like we're in this point of the season where things can kind of drag. Yeah. Right. Like beginning of this weekend, it's the all-star break. Everyone knows, right? Everyone's eyes are a little wide. Mm -hmm. You know, you play that sick, like absolutely sick game in a like Serbian basketball style environment against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then it's like Blackhawks, Blues, Blue Jackets. Cabo. Yeah, Cabo on three. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. (laughs) Then then going wide right to Cabo like the Bills. And, you know, I think the the, the fact is is it's hard, hard to not look past that. The fact that the Canucks didn't, you know, like that to me matters, right? Um, The fact that, like, I, I do think one thing that happened last night that I, that I think kind of mattered is for the first 12 minutes or so, the Canucks were impossible to break out against. And the moment the blues figured out how to break that four check, the Canucks were playing a pretty deep two, one, two. And once the blues figured out how to get past it, they started, they, they controlled 30 minutes of the game. They were the better team for 30 minutes from, from that point on. Um, you know, that maybe that's a thing. Like, maybe that's a thing. There's a type of team that this Canucks team has struggled a little bit against. Uh, we saw it last time they played the Blues, right? We saw it against Philadelphia. Like, those teams that can attack with speed off the rush can give Vancouver problems, especially when Susie's out of the lineup. Maybe that's a thing. Like, that, that, that was one part of last night's game that I sort of took from it and was like, hey, maybe that matters. Maybe this Canucks team is better against possession type teams than they are against these teams that attack with a little more discipline off the rush. These teams that are built a little more like them. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing that maybe, maybe is a thing, but, but the fact that they lost in overtime or, you know, the criticism of Patterson, all that stuff to me, that's just, you know, that, that to me, that's um, just kind of noise and, yeah. and noise that we, sh- we can safely ignore. Uh, understanding that on the other side of this break, right, you're going to open against Carolina, then then Boston on the road, then a pretty interesting back-to-back against this Detroit uh, Detroit team that profiles a little bit like, you know, the Flyers and the and the Blues in terms of how they play and and Washington, and then you come home, you've got the Kings four times, you've got Vegas twice, you've got the Jets three times, the Avalanche twice, like just this absolute 
you know, every night gauntlet of the best teams in the West. And this team has a chance to scramble in the first place, you know, in the conference, first place in the league. I mean, they're first in the league by point percentage this mm-hmm. morning. So, you know, there, there, there will be drama. There will be high drama over the balance of this Canucks season. I just think it has to wait until after the All-Star break. Transfer, have you put the Pedersen contract negotiation completely out of your mind as far as during the season? Or do you think something could come from the All-Star break where, you know, it's been reported that PD is expected to at least meet with his reps in Toronto? I mean, yeah, his... His level of consistency, right? That I, you know, it'll wait till after the season. I want to wait to talk to it uh, to talk about it until after the season. Like that's been so steadfast, you know. That that I think at some point, like, are we gonna keep trying to kick this football? <laughs> you know, are we gonna keep? Are we gonna keep Charlie Browning here? Oh, well, I might hit it one day. <laughs> For sure, and I mean, look, the Canucks probably should. To, to to some extent, be willing to be Charlie Brown <laughs> to Pedersen's Lucy here, but you know, like I don't have any reason to think that the All Star break would change anything. I don't think anyone does. Mm-hmm. the The fact is, is that pretty consistently, despite you know a, a uh, like a gift of a campaign, right, where everything has gone has come up Vancouver, right? Where the hockey's been fun. The team has been putting up truly crooked numbers. They're number one in the West. I mean, you know, where a bad night is still a night in which you eliminate two, two, two goal deficits in the third period and and keep a 10 game point streak alive. Like that, that qualifies as an off night now in Vancouver, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That's how good things are. Um, You know, if that hasn't changed it, why would the all-star break? So, yeah, I mean, it's not out of my mind so much as I just feel like, I feel like we, this, this is a star player that I feel like has told us what he was going to do and then has gone about doing it. Yeah. And, and I find it hard for, you know, it just in terms of, and I don't have any unique insight into it. Like Pedersen really doesn't want to talk about it. So I just kind of look at it and be like, okay, he told us this one thing. He's been consistent about that one thing. Why would I expect it to change? Because he's, you know, going to a city in which, you know, one, one of his two principal agents lives for, for all-star, right? Like, I, I I'd be surprised if it changed anything. Um, what do you make of the King struggles? Yeah, interesting. I mean, they should be fired up. This has been bad. They've been losing to bad teams. Like they they lost to the San Jose Sharks. They put a lead against the Buffalo Sabers. I mean, it's definitely worrying, especially given how they played at the start of the year. And yet, you know, I'm I'll be totally honest with you. Like under the hood, they're still elite. I mean, they've shot. 6% with 900 goaltending over the course of the past month. And yeah, you're going to lose some games with 6% shooting clip and 900 goaltending. Um, to me, it's not a lot different than Edmonton 2-8-2 to start the year. Like, under the if, if you're a lead under the hood for 10, 11, 12 games, the way the Kings have been over the course of this, you know, sag stretch in which they've, you know, very much put their ability to win the Pacific uh, out of the question, frankly, given how hot the Canucks and the Oilers have been while they've struggled. Um, But also, you know, I I think it put their playoff position very much at risk. Um, You know, it's easy to overreact to that. 
and it's easy to get frustrated. In fact, you, you'd hope that players are frustrated, but I, I don't change my opinion on a team based on a 12-game sample uh, when their underlying performance remains high-end. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, they're going through it. They're going through it, and it hasn't been pretty, but I still think that's a very formidable team. Do you think Edmonton has a realistic chance of catching the Canucks for first in the division? One in three? Yeah. Do you consider one in three realistic? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd, so, I'd so, put that so, out, so I'd too. say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, look, that team's, the team's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, that's a ludicrous... That You know, it's like... Um, I understand people who'd look at it and say, well, their goaltending is not very good. Or, you know, even though Skinner has been totally like fine other outside of the first month of the year, um, you know, he's certainly not Thatcher Demko, right? Uh, I can understand looking at that team and being like, you know, Cody Cece plays top four minutes for them. Do they have enough defensive depth or, you know, I don't love their bottom six. Like not only do I understand it, I think that's fair across the board, but like the Canucks may have more engines Right, like the Canucks can be carried for a couple weeks by their third line. Right, the, the Canucks um, it, team defensive team defense on over the course of the season has has been better, even though Edmonton's defense has been super elite since the coaching change. You know, the, like the Canucks have more outs, I think, than the Oilers. But when that Oilers top end group is running, they are smashing teams. Yeah. Um, in, in a way that the Canucks aren't at the top of their lineup, right? With the exception of, of a week in New York, right? Like, it's it's just a little different, a little materially different. And, and it comes down to, like, what matters more? Does it matter more that without getting a single bounce, you're going to outscore your opposition 2-1 to one with how you control play and generate scoring chances with the top end of your lineup on the ice? Or does it matter more that you're a more well-rounded team? Um, you know, it, it's an interesting question, and, and it feels like in the playoffs every year we find out that the, the more well-rounded team uh, tends to do tends to outperform uh, the team with that top uh, top end. But that's if you can handle the team's top end, right? Now the Canucks did three times, and I think we have to note that. So I'm not, but but I'm not picking between these two teams in a playoff series. I'm saying what matters more over the balance of the regular season. Um, man, I just think the way that that Oilers top end comes at you and overwhelms teams, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to look at that and not say that the Oilers are the best team in the league, frankly, uh, on a true talent basis. And so I, you know, Canucks are very likely at this point, they've put themselves in this spot to win the Pacific division, um, which is incredible. Like it's an incredible thing to say, Uh, but it's not over yet. The Oilers are, steamrolling what are the Canucks more likely to add a top six winger or a top six center you know like the the Rutherford MO that I think matters is that when he feels he he's got a team with a shot when he feels like he's close he adds a star right like he has a star level player right that's the Doug Wade thing that's Ultimately, you know, you can look at Pittsburgh Penguins deadline moves and it's mostly like Justin Schultz or, you know, like sort of uh, depth pieces. But really, it was the Kessel move, right? Established star forward. And, and I, I think there's a, 
a point to which it's a little bit position agnostic. Um, and I think the wingers are better, right? Like at the top of the, at the top of every public trade board, you'll see Elias Lindholm and you'll see Jake Gensel and there's familiarity with the Canucks top executive with both players, but like, you know, Jake Gensel's a, a better player, right? Like materially a mm-hmm. better player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would think that, I would think that if you're trying to land an established star, you know, you're going to prioritize adding the best possible piece to the lineup. Right. I mean, this team could sorely use an additional top six forward, especially given that, you know, the ups and downs, let's say of, of Andre Kuzmenko this season. So, you know, I think the, I think the fact is, is that what I expect this team to prioritize is adding the most impactful guy to the lineup, like the most impactful guy. I do think though, and, you know, I've talked to some pro scouts about it. I've been polling some people. I'll, I'll probably write about it at some point. But, you know, I do think a big forward, like a big center in particular, a big middle six center to, to you know, if you want to go Pedersen Miller, then you have the versatility to use Suter on the wing, the ability to push Bluger to the fourth line. Like, I think that's what a lot of observers around the industry would would be your, would be would answer if asked what should this team add yeah. right like are you concerned because we just actually had this conversation if, if if the canucks have enough size and strength up front yeah i, I wouldn't say i'm concerned because they've got like hoaglander's not big but man he's, yeah, he's strong a pain to move off the wall right yeah, yeah. um you know garland's not <laughs> big by any means but he he's annoying in terms of in terms of helping that line drive play right like that line plays black and blue hockey regardless of you know the size of the right winger on it um so no i i'm not i wouldn't say i'm concerned about vancouver's size up front but you know again i think if you're a bigger team with speed that attacks off the rush right and and is disciplined about how you break the canucks forecheck and stretch them out especially when Carson Soucy's out of the lineup because he's so good at, at defending the blue line. You know, I, I think that's kind of been the only template we've seen this Canucks team struggle with a bit, right? The, the thing about the flyers, the abs, like this team hasn't lost very often, but when they have, it feels like those are teams that have given them fits on occasion anyway. Um, you know, and I think we did see it a little bit last night, right? Where, where the blue size was a lot. Uh, at, at various moments in the game. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a huge priority, but it's certainly something you'd like to add ahead of the playoffs. Drancer, always good to catch up with you. Enjoy. Thanks, Thanks boys. Buddy. Bye. Bye. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, what we learns are coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. The exercise goes... As it always does, you hashtag it WWL. In the text, you tell us what you've learned in the world of sports over the last 24 hours. Uh, We read it on the air. It's your chance to be on the radio. I'm going to go now. I'm going to kind of get the ball rolling, you know, get things started. I have uh, a very good and very exciting what we learned because I, uh, I go to all the Whitecaps games. I follow the team rather closely. I'm excited for this season. Uh, I learned that this morning... 
the Vancouver Whitecaps have officially extended the contract of their best player and their star player, Ryan Gold. He has agreed to a designated player, a DP contract through 2027, which is fantastic news. If you are not a Whitecaps fan, if you don't like watching football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, I would recommend you change that. I love watching the guy play. I think he embodies a lot of things that a lot of people want to see in their professional athletes. He is remarkably hardworking. They were trying to put it out there last year. Their marketing campaign for him for MVP is the working class MVP. He's got a real industry. Yes, industry about him. But he's also extremely talented. Uh, I'm really glad that they've got this commitment. I think that he has the potential to be the first real sort of like face of the franchise star player a guy that people can identify with and actually enjoy getting behind because... Can he get even better? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is a level of leadership and pulling the team along by the bootstraps that he can really bring. Look, who's going to be his running mate? Brian White. Brian White still? Brian yeah. White, yeah. They found a good connection there, mm-hmm. right? Galled the playmaker, White the finisher. Now, he's not an elite-level finisher. Hey, he got called up to the U.S. national team. Oh, did recently. he? Well... Okay, I don't want to take anything away from the guy, but it was like a like a C team for the okay. U.S. It was mostly domestically based MLS guys. But hey, you know but what? He was recognized. You get to go. You get to yeah. go. It's a great feather in his cap. That's Brian White. I'm talking about. Um, he, I, you know, and I'm not just putting this on because uh, I support the team and everything. Gold is genuinely a good guy, and if you if you bring your kids to the match and they watch him watch him go it's not just the flair it's not just the ability to you know ping a ball 60 yards and put it in a tight space he's like the energizer bunny he's relentless he chases players down he hounds the opposition to get the ball back he's always constantly moving when he walks off the pitch he's dripping because you can tell that he's put in a shift and he's working right mm-hmm. um the white caps i think one of the things that has probably kept them from uh reaching over to the casuals and to people that maybe don't necessarily follow the sport or them is that they haven't had that guy. They've had good players come through, right? They've mm-hmm. had talented players come through, but none of them have really been here for a long time and been the sort of face of the the franchise and the club. And I think that Gold can be that guy. And now he's signed through 2027. So uh good day for the Whitecaps. Good day for Ryan Gold. That is my what we learned. Moo cow me. Okay, get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Dunbar Lumber, we're three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. The Canucks have one game left before the All-Star break, and that is Saturday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We already gave away our tickets to that game, so there's no competition for best what we learned today. It's just being a good teammate to the show, sending in what we learned, participating. You know, you shouldn't have to be bribed to send in a what we learned. Please send in what we learned. We're desperate. Um, uh, well, we do, we do have one thing that we can not necessarily give away, but it's it's a little perk. If you want to uh, reserve your spot at the big football party 
at the Clayton Public House. Sportsnet 650, us, not Bruff and I, but the station. We are hosting a big football party at the Clayton Public House on Sunday, February 11th. What big football game is going on Sunday, February 11th? You'll have to go to the Clayton Public House to find out. Uh, book your table now. You can visit them at theclaytonpub.com. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.